0: Uh, back at it
1: we are back at it welcome back to another edition of the pistols firing podcast i'm carson cunningham joined as always by colby powell colby how you doing on this friday
0: Man, i am doing pretty good the weekend is almost here uh it's been a bit of an eventful week but it's friday we've got college basketball tomorrow so let's keep on rolling
1: Speaking of college basketball, we have a lot to get to with OSU Hoops. It's been a disappointing start to the Big 12 season. We'll get into that. A a bit of football news as well with Oklahoma State and some NFL draft uh, news there as well. And I want to talk a little bit about Spencer Sanders too. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. And you heard Kyle Porter mention on our last show that They print all the Pistols firing gear. So if you want a Pistols firing t-shirt, log on to the website. Check out the PFB store. We appreciate Chris's and all they do in sponsoring the pod and and hooking PFB up with gear. So we really appreciate them. Uh, Colby, yet another collapse by the Cowboys last time out. Cade Cunningham fouling out once again. And the Cowboys give up, what, an 18 or 19-point lead to West Virginia. Just Doesn't seem like this team, Colby, we know they're young, we know they're inexperienced, but, man, they've lost, I believe, four straight Big 12 games after giving up a lead.
0: Yeah, I I don't think collapse is really a fair way to put it. I think epic collapse would be a good (laughs) way to describe it. I mean, I mean, you're up by 19 in the second half against a West Virginia team that's now playing in its second game without Oscar Shiboy, who obviously was a big part of what they had planned on doing at West Virginia. So they're still trying to find their identity without Shiboy, and you've got them in a hole. All you've got to do is step on your throat. Is that coming from my computer? Of course it is. Thank you, ESPN. I'm trying to look up the box score. Oh yeah. Um, anyway, all you had to do was step on West Virginia's throat. You had them down. You had them on their backs. They just needed to be put away, and Oklahoma State couldn't do it. And I thought a big part of the reason that Oklahoma State couldn't go ahead and put them down, I thought that Oklahoma State got some really good looks because Cade started to take that game over with about six, seven minutes left, and he started to do some scoring, and then the defense was collapsing on him, and Oklahoma State was getting some good looks and just couldn't knock them down. I, I mean, I guess it, it is partially – on the coach whenever you've lost three Big 12 games by a total of seven points because you are the coach and your team can't close. But but then I look at what happened on the floor and I'm like, man, is it is it Boynton's fault that Cade went in a little out of control and got the fifth foul on a charge after he was playing great for several minutes? Is it his fault that guys were missing wide open shots whenever they had a 10, 11, 12 point lead that they could have stretched further back out into the teens? I, I just feel like a lot of it is on these guys being young and we've seen time and time again this year they get to the end of games, and they just tense up. They did it against TCU. They did it against Texas, and they really did it against West Virginia. They just got super, super tight, and and all the flow and rhythm that they were playing with went away. So, yes, it's a, it's Mike Moynton's job to fix that, but I, I think I'm putting probably 70-30 of the blame as far as Tuesday night goes, Monday night, whatever night they played, on the guys on the floor who just weren't making shots when they needed to go down.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think it's really simple, and you and I have talked about this so much already this season that's still really young. It comes down to three-point shooting and free throws. I mean, they're 6 of 25 from three, just 24%. They're 16 of 25 from the free throw line, 64%. I mean, you're not going to win very many games with those percentages, and let alone you lose a game by three points, and you missed, you know, so many free throws and so many wide-open three-point attempts. I don't know if there's a remedy for that. That seems to me like it's going to be a trend uh, throughout the season. Uh, But, you know, I I was always confused why Mike Boynton started uh, Kuma for a couple games, and he did nothing for the most part. I thought he could have played him more in this game because their interior defense, Colby, is another big issue for this team. I think the the loss of your NA – becoming bigger and bigger the the deeper we get into big 12 play because he was such a presence inside such a feared shot blocker inside i thought kuma was the only player really capable of slowing down culver inside um uh, so i think that was a huge issue in the game and i i think kuma may have deserved more minutes so maybe that's something boynton needs to look at on down the line if they're facing a, a good interior score like that where Kuma can get in there because the Boone, the Boone Twins just haven't been able to protect the rim. They haven't been able to rebound, and that's been one of the bigger issues as well.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely has, and he'll get to try that out soon because they're playing West Virginia again here in just a few games. But um, I, I don't know. Kuma was minus 10 in that game the other night, but he was the only guy who was physically capable of sticking around with Derek Culver. I mean, Derek Culver had 22 points and 19 rebounds. Oklahoma State just kind of let one guy go out there and dominate them. The, the fourth leading scorer for West Virginia had nine off the bench, and they put up 87 as a team. So you've got three guys who scored 20 points. I'm sorry, Do, adjust somehow just to make somebody else beat you. You know, make Matthews beat you. Make McNeil beat you, one of these guys who barely scored. Make Johnson beat you. You had nine points, but it was in 25 minutes. Make somebody else beat you. I mean, it was really Culver, McBride, and Sherman, The whole game, those three combined for 63 points, and it just wore on Oklahoma State. And, again, in that game the other night, Carson, Cade had three assists, three. And it's not because he wasn't finding his teammates. Sometimes whenever Cade makes these great passes, it just comes down to whether a guy knocks down a shot or not. And Fran Faschilla, I thought, was pretty spot on with how harsh he was about college shooting. I mean, pretty much the whole night, he's like, yeah, next year that's going to be an assist and then Cade would drop a dime, and a guy would miss a shot, and and Fran would go, well, yeah, next year, that's going to be an assist, so it's tough. Cade's an unselfish player, and he's setting up his teammates, and they're just not making them at high enough of a clip. Cade and Ice were both phenomenal the other night, and I kind of thought everybody else was a little bit so-so.
1: Yeah, those surrounding pieces need to step up, because Cade is doing all he can, and I, I loved what Fran said, too. It reminded me a lot of that first season after Kevin Durant left the thunder and Russell Westbrook was (laughs) passing to like Samaj Christian and Andre Robertson for wide open threes. And they were just hitting bricks the whole time. And Russell still somehow averaged a triple double. So it reminds me a lot of that where there's just no shooting around Cade. And, and I think Cade needs to realize he just cannot get in foul trouble. Again, he's a young player and some of those are, are not his fault, but, he has to be on the floor at the end of games for for, for the Oklahoma state team to, to win games. Now, Colby, the good thing for OSU, they get to play Kansas state next. Who's also one and three in big 12 play. And, but the big difference here, Kansas state, their three losses are by an average of 16 points where OSU is just by two points. So that's a huge difference between there's the records are the same, but it Oklahoma state's obviously lost some heartbreakers in which they played much better throughout, but what do you make of the game against Kansas State? And I do want to ask you about Mike Boynton as well. But what do you, first, what do you think about K-State game coming up?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is the perfect bounce-back game that Oklahoma State needed. They need to go out and win this game by 15 to 20 points. Kansas State's not a very good team. Oklahoma State is an eight-point favorite in this game uh, over Kansas State. So they should go out and win this one pretty easily. And it, it shouldn't really even be all that stressful, I don't think. I mean, Oklahoma State should win by – I think close to 20. What time is that? 5 o'clock tomorrow, ESPN five 2 is what I'm seeing here? 5 o'clock
1: tip, ESPN 2 at uh, the Octagon of Doom, Bramlage yeah. Coliseum.
0: ESPN 2 is nice. I'm, I'm enjoying the uh, more primetime basketball. Oklahoma State's getting with the number one player in the country on their on their squad, Go, going right along with Jalen Suggs up at Gonzaga, who's been unbelievable. But kind of like you said with Cade, against Texas Tech, I think you get a little bit more of a pass for fouling out because he fouled out in overtime. I mean, he played the sure, 40 minutes of sure. regulation with four fouls. And then he picked one up in overtime. Sometimes that happens. But fouling out the other night, and he had a couple that were offensive. He had one early in the game where the two refs looked at each other, and they weren't sure whether they were going to call block or charge. Then the guy on the baseline decided charge. I thought it was a block on replay. Those guys are having to decide at full speed. So I try not to give refs too much grief on block charge, because I think obviously that's the hardest call in basketball to make. But sometimes those things just don't go your way. But then you have to not pick up other fouls along the way. You're the best guy on the floor, and you contesting uh, a layup too strong with seven minutes to go in the first half, and that ends up taking you off the floor with four minutes to go in, your, in the game and your team loses, those are the kind of things that can't happen. And as great as Kate is, he's – and we're kind of seeing that, so – Hopefully there aren't too many more to learn because Oklahoma state now sitting at one and three in conference play needs to beat Kansas state and needs to try to figure out a way some point in the next few weeks to get back to 500 in conference.
1: Yep, you're right. And on the officiating, I also don't blame Cade because college officiating is still just pure garbage. I forget that during the off season. I always kind of, it always kind of goes away in the back of my mind, how bad college officiating is. And I remember the first game, the big 12 play TCU. It was horrendous down the stretch. So I'll, I'll, I'm willing to give Cade some slack just because how bad college officiating is. But again, Colby, I don't think Mike Boynton's going anywhere. His approval rating's really high still. Cause look, we all love Mike Boynton. He's done a good job kind of rallying the fan base by hoops. He, he understands the history of the program. He obviously has recruited very well to get a Cade Cunningham and, and the surrounding pieces involved, but Colby's got to start winning some of these games and I think you can make the argument that he's been out coached down the stretch in a lot of those games they've given up leads wouldn't you
0: yeah I I definitely think so now look the other night you got Mike Boynton going against Bob Huggins Bob Huggins now one of only a handful of coaches to have ever won 300 games at multiple different schools by the way they threw up the graphic that he won 399 at Cincinnati I would have stuck around for another week to get 400 (laughs) um anyway but, but,
1: maybe he got but, booted. I don't remember. He, maybe maybe he like I can't a... remember
0: how it went down at Cincinnati, but yeah. obviously, my, my point is Bob Huggins, is one of the greatest coaches of all time. So you don't want to get out coached there, but you kind of get it. And how we talk about the players learning some lessons, I think Coach Boynton is learning some lessons as well. I thought it was really odd in the middle of the second half that Donovan Williams, who we've not seen get minutes since the non conference, uh, as far as I can remember got popped out there to play for like three minutes. I I don't know if he felt comfortable with a 19-point lead that he could get some other guys some rest and run him out there. I thought that was an odd decision. Um, As far as bringing Cade back in when he did with the four fouls, I didn't have a problem with that because at that point, the game was starting to slip away, and Cade Mm -hmm. really got it back under control kind of until he fouled out. And then once he fouled out, it was really downhill from there for Oklahoma State. I, I just still think the jury's very much out on, on Coach Boynton. He's obviously a great recruiter as far as a great coach. Again, I, I said earlier a couple weeks ago that I was going to give him an eye for incomplete until this season is over, uh, and I'm going to continue to extend that courtesy to him. But at the end of the season, it will be time to look back and say, okay, this was Mike Boynton's most talented team. He had the guys to go out and do it. They were young, but let's look back and see what they were able to accomplish um, I don't want to jump the gun at 1-3 and three in conference and then they rattle off a five-game winning streak or something and now we're ready to give them an extension. So uh, I'm going to let it play out a little bit, but certainly you're 1-3 and three in conference play right now and it it doesn't look great so far.
1: Certainly, and I, I just bring that up to be fair because if this was Travis Ford or Brad Underwood, I'd be saying the same things. So I, 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 of course, really like Mike Boynton, but it is what it is. You can't be giving up leads like that and expect to make the tournament because, again, Colby, like – OSU basketball, the bar for me is making the tournament. And hopefully, you know, most years you win the first round game and then the rest is cake from there. But there's a myriad of factors that we don't have enough time on a podcast to get to why OSU basketball has been down for the last 15 years. We we all know the reasons. But to me, the bar is still make the NCAA tournament. So on the one hand, it's encouraging playing against all these Hall of Fame coaches in this league, how great it is. I don't even think you have to get to 500 in big 12 play to make the tournament. I think if you get to, you know, eight and 10, I think that can get you in. So that that's, that's the positive, the negative Colby. They have at Kansas state, Kansas, OU at West Virginia, Baylor at home at Iowa state. That's there's not a lot of wins that I see on paper there. Now, Oklahoma, I think is a swing game at home. Maybe they can get a few upsets in there maybe against a Kansas or a, a West Virginia or Baylor, but I don't know, Colby. That It's going to be tough just to even get to 8-10 and 10 in conference play.
0: Yeah, I think it is. I'll, I'll say this. I do think Oklahoma State will beat West Virginia in Morgantown. Might sound a little weird to say after what happened the other night, but I, I do think that without Shibway, uh West Virginia, I mean, they hit a bunch of threes and tough shots the other night down the stretch to come back from that second half and kind of everything went wrong down the stretch with the officiating and everything for Oklahoma state. I do think Oklahoma state will get the win bit there, but I have to assume that they'll lose to Kansas. I think OU is probably a coin flip. I think you really need to beat in this next stretch. You need to win three of these four that I'm about to list. You've got Kansas state, you've got OU, you've got Iowa state and you've got West Virginia in this stretch coming up. I think really to be where you want, you need to be in big 12 conference play this assuming they lose to Kansas and Baylor. You need to win three out of those four so that you can be three and three in that six-game stretch. Otherwise, you know, you go two and four in that six-game stretch, then you're sitting there at three and seven in conference, and now you got to do something like what you did last year where you've got to get really hot down the stretch and win four or five in a row in order to get yourself back in a position where you're not sitting on the bubble on Selection Sunday. Because the last thing you want to see is your team's logo popping up, first four in, last four out because that uh, – or last four in, first four out, because that gets a little stressful around selection time.
1: Well, we know how the bubble works at OSU. They they don't get in. Right. I mean, I thought they should have gotten in, what was it, two years ago where they, you know, they won in Morgantown, they won in Lawrence, and still didn't make the NCAA tournament. I thought that was a crock. So you don't want to put it in the committee's hands, because for whatever reason, that never really seems to go OSU's way. I do want to get to some football talk here, Colby. I think you and I both expect OSU to beat Kansas State. If they don't, well, then we can – we can sound the alarm bells, but uh, we did have a bit of breaking news today. OSU offensive lineman Rye Schneider declares for the 2021 NFL Draft. Uh, guy who played center, four-year veteran, uh, played center most of this last season, and he announced he's uh, going going to the pros. Which Colby, we've talked ad nauseum about this offensive line and how much they struggled in through the beginning and you know middle portion of the season. I did think they played pretty well down the stretch in the last couple of games, but. Another OSU guy going pro that, uh, that, that loses some of their depth. Maybe that's why they picked up the uh, Miami of Ohio grad tr- grad transfer. So th- that's a, the news of the day.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty big news for Oklahoma State on the offensive line. That's an area where I don't think it's a secret that Oklahoma State's had problems. And Josh Sills will be back, but you're losing Tevin Jenkins and Ryan Schneider off of an offensive line that wasn't very good. So... I just don't know. I think it'll continue to be a problem in Oklahoma State. It's kind of one of those things where until I see something different, I'm just going to have to assume that it'll be a problem because it has been every year. So why would I assume that it's going to be better? You know, I'm sure once fall camp rolls around and stuff, they'll start talking about how good everybody looks and that it's going to be a much improved unit this year. We hear that stuff every year. Until it actually comes to fruition, I'm just going to assume that the rest of the offense will have to work around the offensive line because that's just kind of what I'm used to seeing.
1: Yep. And that's that to me is why I think it's such it was encouraging for me that they kind of seemed to find their groove offensively in the last two games. Obviously, Baylor, they were depleted. We all know that. But uh, certainly in the bowl game against Miami, I think you, you saw what this offense can be with Spencer Sanders. And uh, Marshall Scott wrote a, a really good column on pistols firing. How much optimism should Spencer Sanders finish provide for next year and I think there's a case to be made that they finally realized how to utilize him with the spread offense the four wide receivers the getting the ball out quick they attempted 15 passes to start the game to me I think that's encouraging moving forward I think the way they finished offensively particularly the style of offense now you and I were pulling our hair out watching the the bowl game going where was this all season long but a really good column uh for from Marshall and he, he mentions in here, you know, Mike Gundy's always used the, he used to say 20 games. Apparently that's reduced now to 15 in his latest verbiage of it. He, he thinks quarterbacks need 15 games to truly get settled in at the position. Well, Spencer's now at 19 and he's thrown 19 interceptions and 19 career starts. So that's, that's where he's at. But I, I, I think I'm encouraged Colby where this offense is heading. If they can just keep doing what they did the latter half of the year.
0: Yeah, man, it, it a lot of it falls on the play calling. Uh, and by the way, I don't know if you had this in the plans, but shout out Mike Yarsich going to Penn State. We can get to that later. A lot of it, again, I think comes down to the play calling, and getting out of the 12 personnel, getting out of the phone booth is, is what I like to call it. That's not how Spencer Sanders operates. And if he is your guy, if you're going to let him run your offense, then you have to run his offense. You have to give him a chance to be successful. And I don't think Oklahoma State did that for large stretches of this season i do think there's some optimism with spencer after what we saw the the baylor game is so hard to judge because they were so shorthanded in that game of course he looked good everybody looked good they ran for about a billion yards but the game against miami again no juggernaut but he looked really good in the game against miami i thought he made one throw on like the second play of the game that a defensive back jumped up and tipped into the air and it fell harmlessly to the turf other than that I, i didn't really feel like there was much in the way of uh Spencer Sanders getting too loose with the football in that game. So that was a good thing to see. But again, I, I think it comes down to the coaching with Spencer. I, I think that you spread it out. you, you don't make him uh, try to read so much that's going on in such a congested area. Make it easier for your quarterback. And, and as weird as this may sound, Oklahoma State's not better than Tyler, without Tylen Wallace. I don't want it to come out that way. But, but weirdly, it might force Spencer to spread the ball around more which could be good for his further development as a quarterback. So I think that's something to keep an eye on to to keep an eye on next season as well is whether Spencer, uh, you know, spreads around evenly. And we've got a little more uh, equitable reception chart.
1: I think that's totally fair. I think that was probably the biggest criticism of Spencer is that he would just lock on to tile almost too much and it would become predictable. And I think that's how he got into some trouble with, with interceptions. So I'm with you. I, I do wonder, you know, we saw Tay Martin s- slip into the, you know, the Tylan Wallace role and he got a ton of targets. So maybe that's just how the offense works, but I'm excited to see Brennan Presley next year as well with Tay Martin and uh, a lot of the other receivers they have coming back. So hopefully they can continue to do what what Oklahoma state does. Cause look, Colby, they're not good enough up front to run power football with two tight ends. They're just not, they don't recruit that way. Their offensive line's not what it used to be back in the heyday of of OSU football with the 2011 big 12 championship team had the best offensive line in the country. That's not who they are anymore. You can't just run off tackle at OSU and expect to beat, you know, decent teams, let alone the best teams in the big 12. So you did mention it. Uh, Mike Yursich hired at Penn state. I was wondering to see where he would land because he still is one of the more respected offensive coordinators in the country. He led Texas to their highest point per game total since their 2005 national championship team. Uh, So he lands at Penn State, which I think for him has to be a thrill because he played college ball in the state of Pennsylvania. I think Shippensburg State is there. I've lost track of where Shippensburg is since he's been gone so long, but he's got Pennsylvania roots. So that's a pretty cool opportunity for him. And there's only one direction to go and that's up at Penn State after the season they had.
0: Yeah, no doubt. It was really bad at Penn State. I'm happy for Yersich. He had a good gig down at Texas. Um, obviously, when things went away there with Tom Herman, Mike Yersich lost his job as well. Um, but, you know, you knew he was going to land on his feet. He's been pretty much great everywhere he's gone, uh, save maybe the first year at Oklahoma State where I, when I think he was still feeling it out a little bit. From that point forward, I thought he was great at Oklahoma State, and I know you did too. Um, He led some of the most prolific offenses we've seen there and really was able to spread it out and get the ball down the field um, and was really able to get the absolute best out of Mason Rudolph and James Washington. So i um, happy for Mike Gersich, enjoyed getting to talk to him when he was in Stillwater and hope he has a ton of success at Penn State.
1: Yep. Good recruiter too. recruited Mason Rudolph yeah. and Spencer Sanders. Yep, So he, he obviously can recruit as well. And I, I did want to ask you about that Texas situation. I don't think we've discussed it yet. You know, Tom Herman gets fired, like you mentioned, what did you make of the the Steve Sarkeesian hire? I have an opinion on it, but I want to get your take.
0: Uh, I think it's just okay. I, I don't think it's, bad. I don't think it's good. I think it's just very average. I I thought it kind of came out of nowhere to me. I don't know if maybe people were thinking that Sarkeesian might be the guy down there. I really thought if Texas was going to move on, it was going to be for like a a big dog, Urban Meyer, somebody like that. And maybe they couldn't get somebody like that. So they wanted to go with Steve Sarkeesian. I I mean, there's also always the option to go for a young, hungry guy, go find a coordinator, go find your own Lincoln Riley, I think would have been a good option. So you know, I'm not deeming Sark a failure before he even takes the job. I just thought it was a very okay hire. And t- to be honest with you, with what we've seen from Texas ever since they let Matt Brown go, I don't really see any reason for me to have belief that he's going to be the one to get it turned around.
1: I don't either. I just think – I think Texas is kind of they're, – they're kind of like Michigan. I said that with Kyle in the last show. Like, you know, they have this, this big name – but they've done very little over the last 30 years. I mean, Texas was was great under Mack Brown, but they won two conference championships. Now, part of that's due to Bob Stoops in, in Oklahoma, obviously. But I think I'm a little higher on, on on the higher than most people. I think people just throw out Sarkeesian's win-loss record. And I think you need to go back and look at what Washington was before he took over. They were Kansas bad. They were one of the worst Power 5 teams in the country. They, they were winning zero to one two or maybe three games a year they won like they won like one game one year under tyrone willingham that's how bad they were and he got them above 500 he got the recruiting back to a respectable level and then he obviously handed over to chris peterson who took the ball and ran with it so i think he's a better coach wins loss wise than people realize and obviously the usc thing is the wild card The, the substance issues he had there was what derailed his career at usc but i do think there's a reason like teams like the Atlanta Falcons would hire him. I think he, he knows offense. And that's to me is where Texas has been stuck in this total quagmire is they haven't had a good offense or really prolific quarterback. Look, like you can say what you want about Sam Ellinger, tough kid, you know, hard-nosed football player, good leader, all that. He's not an elite quarterback. And you're going to see that come NFL draft time. So I think what Texas is thinking here, and, and look, Sarkeesian's stock's never been higher. He won the Broyles Award for the best assistant in the country. They need to get back to scoring points, and I think that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to think that Sarkeesian will hire this elite staff with his ties at Alabama, his ties in the NFL. We're gonna have to wait and see who he hires as his defensive coordinator. I think that's the most important hire he's going to make. But I think Sarkeesian has a chance to succeed. And I, I don't, while I don't think he's going to match Lincoln Riley wit for wit, I think he can certainly be of the same mold in terms of an offensive coach who can score points and really that's what's been holding Texas down is they just, their offense has been ho-hum. They've had no playmakers around Sam Ellinger. Now they have Bijan Robinson. And I don't know. I, I think I'm a little more optimistic about the hire than most people.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a bad hire. I just, I think that the best news that Texas has gotten in the last couple of weeks is that Sam Ellinger decided to move on. I, I just, I'm sorry. He plateaued at Texas. He, he was never going to get them any further than he had gotten them while he was there. So I I think it's just a good, fresh start, clean slate for Texas. I hope Casey Thompson's the guy because I covered him in high school. He was a blast to watch then. He's a great thrower of the football. I think he'd be fun to watch at Texas. But I think it's just good for them to get a completely clean slate. The Herman-Ellinger combo never really panned out the way Texas fans wanted it to. Uh, I mean for about a, an hour they got to announce themselves as being back after winning a bowl game. But <laughs> other than that, it was pretty much a failure for the home, the Herman uh, Ellinger time at Texas. So I think it's good for them just to get a fresh start with a new coach and a new quarterback.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what, uh, if Casey Thompson can win the job and, and what he can do. I, I covered him as well in high school, obviously comes from great stock and uh, he he certainly looked more prolific throwing the football down the field than, and Sam Ellinger did. So I think that's that's somebody who fits what Sarkeesian wants to do a, a lot better than, than than Ellinger. So I think that'll do it for me. Colby, you got anything else on your mind before we get out of here? Just
0: real quick, I, I thought some of the funniest stuff I saw on Ellinger whenever he turned pro, he announced he was turning pro and everybody was like, in what? What is he turning pro in? <laughs> I, I think Pull it'll back. be really – you think he's a fullback the backup quarterback somewhere or do you think he has to be like a Taysom Hill? Maybe.
1: I think he'll be a grad assistant at Texas by August. Oh, that's what I think.
0: No, I think he'll, I think he'll maybe practice squad, maybe get rostered as a Taysom Hill type. I don't know. I feel like Taysom Hill has made it possible for all of these guys who aren't quite good enough to be NFL quarterbacks to just be these weird gadget guys. Now maybe that's just a one-off with Taysom Hill. But I, I'd be real curious to see if we see more of a trend in that in the future or if that's just a Sean Titan thing.
1: Yeah, we'll have to see. That That is interesting. And, I and again, I, I thought Jalen Hurts got drafted way higher than I thought he would get drafted. He got yeah. picked in the second round. Another yeah. guy I thought was pretty limited uh, throwing the football. I think Lincoln Riley did wonders with him. But Jalen Hurts proved me wrong. He played pretty well uh, this year for the, the Eagles as a rookie. So we'll have to wait and see. I, one more interesting thing for me, I guess, uh, Colby, is Jim Knowles. Uh, he interviewed at Illinois, which – that, to me, would seem like career suicide. Why would you want to go to Illinois? I said one of the worst power five teams in the country. That's certainly what Illinois has been over the last 20 years. Uh, but he's, he's coming back to OSU, and that, that's good news for the OSU defense, who, again, I, I'll say it again, Jim Knowles one of the better hires Mike Gundy's made. He's done a fantastic job. And uh, if he had just gotten a little bit more help from the offense this year, I think OSU really would have had a special season. So I was encouraged that he, uh, he had turned down Illinois.
0: Yeah, that was good news for Oklahoma State. They need to keep, keep Jim Knowles for as long as they possibly can. He's the best thing to happen to Oklahoma State defense in quite a long time. Uh, my one interesting thing before we get out of here, might not be interesting to everybody, but it's interesting to me. After a long, grueling four-week offseason, the PGA Tour is back and Oklahoma State Cowboy Victor Hovland is in the field this week at the Century Tournament of Champions in Hawaii down at Kapalua. He shot a 69 yesterday. Nice. Well done, Victor. And he's one <laughs> under through nine today. Uh, so he's five under for the tournament. He's, he's tied for 29th in the field, tied for 28th in the field, pardon me. But he's only five back of the leader with still another 45 holes to go on the week. So uh, hoping for another great season out of Victor Hovland, Matt Wolf. And hoping that uh, even some other guys, Taylor Gooch, I should mention too, he had a great season last year and really hoping that Ricky Fowler can get his game back. So looking forward to watching all the folks on the PGA tour this week, Yeah, That, this was, week, a, this year, that,
1: that was a short off season, kind of like the NBA, man. Yeah. I mean, Masters will be here before we know it. Yeah. I'm fired up. And man, Kapalua looks sweet on TV. I got to get out no, there. It looks amazing, doesn't it? Yes, it does. One Kobe week's Powell. Week's
0: university spirit to uh, sponsor us to record Oh yeah, live from Kapalua.
1: We're going to have to print – we're going to have to sell a lot more PFB shirts, I think, before Chris sends more. us to uh, K- Kapalua, but I think maybe I had we a buddy can work who played, something out.
0: I had a buddy who played Kapalua a couple of years ago. Uh, they went down there. He had, like, some friends that were getting married, and for his bachelor party, they played Kapalua, and it's not cheap, but it, oh, he sure. said it was an unbelievable once-in-a-lifetime experience.
1: Yeah, that, no doubt. I can imagine that. It looks really good on TV, so – Hopefully it'll warm up around here in Oklahoma. We can at least get on the courses here in Oklahoma before we tee it up in Kapalua. Colby Powell, appreciate it as always. Enjoy your weekend. We'll get back with you next week.
0: Everybody, enjoy the basketball game tomorrow. Cade season, full effect.